Topics that concern your life, your community, and your safety. This is 5-0-Info on Arizona's news station, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. Here's what you need to know. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for another edition of the 5 Show. This show is brought to you every week by Bonneville, and it's designed to talk about matters of the community because community matters. If you want to learn about the Silent Witness program, please check out 480-WITNESS or check out silentwitness.org. This space is brought to you every week to talk about Silent Witness. So if you have any information that would solve an unsolved felony crime and make your community safer, please reach out to Silent Witness. Again, you're completely anonymous, and you could get cash for that information. So today we actually have two repeat guests. Lieutenant Jeff Benza of the Phoenix Police Department has been here previously, but you join us again. Thank you, Lieutenant. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. It's it's always strange to have you here because we're friends. Uh, we work together, but I also recognize, you know, at work, it is Lieutenant. So if I slip up at any point, please just remind me. We're always also joined by Andy Williams. So a lot of people have seen Andy on TV. He was one of the public information officers, but now he's with the Employee Assistance Unit of the Phoenix Police Department. Andy, thank you for being here. Happy to be here, Jamie. One of the things that uh, I I ask you about frequently, Andy, is your prior service before you became a police officer. But one of the things that I never ask you about is why you chose to become a police officer. So if you would be willing to talk a little bit about what drove you to the police career, I want to ask you and Lieutenant Benza the same, because we are constantly in a situation where we talk to people who are interested in making their community better, but they have a lot of questions or they've seen something on TV about police work, and they just, it, it, to some, it, it seems like it would be a very hard career. Did you always know that you wanted to be a cop? No, I didn't. Like you said, I was in the military when I was getting out. I just, I didn't want that average job. I wanted to do something unique. And um, uh, the the thought of the adventure and, uh, you know, getting to do something new every day, I think, is what attracted me to the police department. And you've had a variety of assignments during that, but the one that I got to know you was the public information officer job. We had talked previously on one episode about that. I think that job is so much harder than most people realize, and I'm 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 glad you left it because I think you're really good at the employee assistance unit, and we'll talk a little bit about that here in a moment. Um, did you ever see yourself in a space, though, where your job is to go out and serve the men and women who are doing this job? Because previously, you've been running investigations, you've been leading information dissemination from the department. Did you ever foresee that you would be in a job like this? No, this definitely wasn't on my um, my my roadmap for uh, for my career. But uh, you know. Most of your opportunities come um, when you least expect them. It's all about timing. It's all about who you know. And uh, the opportunity presented itself, and I'm glad I took it. I am, too. Uh, Lieutenant Benza, so you started with the department, is it 1998? Yes. And I had gotten to know you. We both worked in the same precinct, uh, but we both have something horrible or honorable in common. We both got to serve squads during very difficult times. So we had lost officers. Uh, for me, it was Mark Atkinson. For you, it was, uh, well, let's just talk about uh, Officer Buff in a moment. Uh, that's, I'm guessing, your first look into what this kind of service means. Can you talk a little bit about the loss that you experienced and what your role was helping the family through that time? Yeah, thanks, Jamie. It was 
gosh, it was November 1st of 99, if I remember correctly. Um, it was a, an academy mate. So it was, I was new in my career, just, just off probation. Uh, as the academy class had just eclipsed probation. Uh, he was killed in the line of duty, and it was an eye-opening experience for me to see what the community support looked like and what the departmental support looked like. Um, to support a family, uh, a widow, four children, extended family, was taxing emotionally. It was taxing um, financially. And the union stepped up, the city stepped up, and the community stepped up to really fill the gaps in where people couldn't. And that was the first glimpse into that world that we work in now. You talk about it was taxing emotionally. Uh, and I'll, I've made more mistakes than, than anybody I know, and this is one of many. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I was sent to the hospital when Officer Atkinson was killed and told to take care of the squad. I didn't know what that meant. So as the days and the weeks have gone on after, and and I've shared this before, um, not to say, look what I did, but just to be transparent, in addition to taking care of getting the stuff ready to make sure they had everything they need, they tell me, and I don't remember this, that I even went and worked their off-duty jobs. Now, I say that to say, if you had asked me before that event if everything was good and well in the world, it absolutely was, and now there's large segments of this I don't even remember, uh, but I would not have traded that time for anything because I got to serve others and learn so much about things that I didn't know about and still learning. What did you remember most about or what stuck out most about that point in your career? Because a lot of people may not even know that you were involved in that aspect. What stands out most is the void of understanding for officers of what to do, how to handle the the, the emotional trauma of an officer being killed on duty, um, their own mortality that they're facing, and going through the different steps with the precinct, cleaning out the locker. I remember getting a lot of um, unhappy stares. That was a very official moment of now this person's no longer coming back. Um, that was that was really the, the the biggest impact on the department, and that's what I remember the most. Um, and I, I just think of it as filling a void. I want to bring it back full circle towards the end of the interview because now you are back as a lieutenant. And I say this all the time. You know, if there's folks in the community, if they've never served, maybe they don't know our rank structure. You start as an officer, you promote to sergeant, you promote to lieutenant, you promote to commander, assistant chief, and so on. Um, you have had several times to promote or a couple times to promote since then. Please talk about what prompted you to leave patrol and what your goal was as you, because you had some cool investigative assignments. Can you talk a little bit about your career when you finally did leave patrol? I left patrol in 2004, uh, moved to domestic violence in the Family Investigations Bureau. Um, I cut my teeth um, as a, as an investigator. You do everything from an order of violation of order of protection to attempt homicides in that role. It taught me how to case, you know, the case management perspective of, but also taught me how to talk to victims who were traumatized physically and emotionally. I moved from there to robbery and worked robbery for a few years, and that was um, that was sexy police work. That was stuff you see on TV. It was fun. It was fast paced, um, and and the reason I wanted to do that was to have a bigger impact for the victim and a complete sense of working a case from beginning to end getting a case where the bad guy is not known and putting a face and a name to that person and getting justice for the victim. You don't seem like a guy who sat down and said, I want to do this to build a resume. It seems like everything you did has been service-oriented. Like you truly do care about not just the victims that we serve, but even the people that we serve with. Have you found that to be a very common trait as you continued? Because I know you've had other assignments since then. Is that something that's always been kind of your, your true north? I think that's what 
we expect out of our out of our leaders in our department. I think we expect them to be servant leaders, and and to serve not only the the community but also the officers. And I think that's the culture we we have fostered here in the department. And I think I fit in with that culture with that line of thinking. You left uh, domestic violence. You went to robbery. Um, you probably had a pretty strong understanding of how investigations work. You enjoy serving others. What did you do after that? I promoted into the Desert Horizon Precinct, and I led officers uh, on different schedules, different shifts. I was able to be a field training sergeant where I was able to shape the future of the department to do some, um, we call it a a neighborhood enforcement team, to work those guys, some plain clothes, some um, proactive directed patrol, and then move from there to the Mountain View Precinct where I again got to serve as a field training officer and, and again shape the future of the department. We're talking to Sergeant Andy Williams of the Phoenix Police Employee Assistance Unit and Lieutenant Jeff Benza, also of the Phoenix Police Employee Assistance Unit. And I, I don't think we've ever used this disclaimer before. If anyone hears anything in the background, the three of us are on the same group threads for the men and women that we get to, to work with who are out there serving right now. So we're getting constant notifications. And I know all three of us could not be more proud of them. When you did the sergeant job and you got a chance to move around, you at some point said, you know, I think I want to do this at a higher level. You mentioned leadership. What was your what was your why? My why was being able to set the culture and, and to and to, or to firmly establish the culture uh, that I thought we needed. And to be a leader is not just to to make the bigger decisions. To be a leader is to understand what your employees need, what our, our men and women of the department needed to be successful in their jobs. Uh, to be their eyes and ears, to be their support, and in many cases to be their cheerleader and tell the public and our our command staff what good work they did. And that was my impetus to to promote was to be their their voice and to have a bigger uh, a bigger influence on the department and the direction it was going in terms of culture for men and women. And I know there's some aspects of your career you probably can't talk about. Please talk about your career as a lieutenant and then is there a dream job, dream assignment, or something that you think, ah, before I leave this place, I want to do that? Is there is there one of those elephants in the room that you just want to tackle? You tackle an elephant? I don't even know if that's the right analogy. I, I think the next job is always the dream job in the police department. One of the things that we have is 89, 90 different details in which you can work. And when you think you've hit the pinnacle and you've hit your dream job, the next job comes up and there's something about that job that makes it that much more desirable <clears throat> to attain. Um, you are able to use the the experience you've gained throughout your career to make the next job better and to make the next group better. Um, I think my next job is my dream job, whatever that might be. But currently, uh, being able to serve in the Employee Assistance Unit to create an Employee Wellness Bureau doesn't, doesn't get better than that. So we'll circle back on the uh, the amount of specialty units. If anyone's interested in a new career, Phoenix PD is hiring. You can check out Hire Phoenix or go to 602-262-6925 or check out phoenix.gov slash employment to learn more about the careers. There's a, a tremendous amount of hiring that's going on for both sworn and professional staff. And to your point, we, we have a culture of of folks who, who are caring leaders. In fact, Sergeant Williams and I were just talking in the new supervisor school, and people are there for the right reason. You talked about the next job being that job. What would you say to somebody who's saying, I want my next job to be being a police officer? What skills, qualities, or what what attitude do I need to bring? What What is the, the, the quality that we desire most in those who serve? 
I think the first thing you need is thick skin because you're, you're meeting people on their worst day and they're going to say and do things that aren't directed at you as a person or anyone else. It's just them um, and sharing their frustration. I think the other, the other thing that we lack a lot of times is empathy and understanding that that person's not directing comments or anger at you, but to understand where they come from, what is the root cause of their problem, and to find the solution to that. Empathetic energy and desire to serve. This is a question I always save for the end, so I'm going to ask you both. Sergeant Williams, when you finally leave the police department, I know you have family in law enforcement, you served in the Marine Corps. When you do leave the police department, what do you best want to be remembered for? What do you want your legacy to be? I think probably um, just showing up every day, uh, strong work ethic, and taking care of people. LT, you, you finally leave here one day, you go on to greener pastures, try something different. What's your what's your legacy? I think the same. I think work ethic and leaving the place that we all work, uh, we've been to better than we found it. Uh, agreed. And I got to tell you, just on a very personal note, I love working with Andy. He was a guy that at first blush, I thought, well, the, you know, I, I don't have anything in common with this this guy. You see him, he's like eight feet tall, big broad shoulders, serving the Marines, and then there's me. Um, every day, and I think you can attest to this, coming in and working with this guy every day is, is truly, we laugh a lot, but we get so much done. And we get that done because the men and women that serve on the employee assistance unit and our partners, uh, what can you say about the people who go out and serve those who serve? There's eight dedicated people along with our, the contractor practitioners that we, that we partner with, and they go out of their way, out of their own pockets, and out of, the, uh, of their own family time to make sure that they're serving the people that need it the most. Sergeant Andy Williams, Lieutenant Jeff Benza, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you to you, the listening audience, for letting us come to you each week and talk about the amazing men and women who serve. Thank you, of course, to Bonneville for this time and to Ed, our very patient producer. If you want to learn more about the Silent Witness program, please check out silentwitness.org or call 480-WITNESS. And if you're interested in a career with the Phoenix Police Department the City of Phoenix, please check out phoenix.gov slash employment. Until next week, stay safe. You've been listening to 5 Info on Arizona's news station, KTAR News 92.3 FM. For more about Silent Witness, go to silentwitness.org. That's silentwitness.org. Or call 480-WITNESS. That's 480-948-6377.